What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm here with Elliot, my co-host, per usual, Graybeard, the duck dater himself. How you doing tonight, Elliot? I'm doing pretty good. Coming off one of the best Mallard weekends of my entire life. So that's what I've been waiting for, that <laughs> a big run of Mallards, big greenheads in your face. So I'm feeling pretty good with one awesome. weekend left and you coming to town. Oh, yeah. I was definitely, I know... Uh, we talked a few times about the one thing missing from your season this year. Your numbers had been great, but uh, you just hadn't had those spectacular kind of all-out awesome hunts. And it sounds like you finally got them. Yeah, well, you know, you said the most ducks you've ever seen was um, one one time was the last year when you came down on that little ice hole. And the other time was this year. If you had been there last Saturday, it made <laughs> those ducks look like a trickle awesome i mean it was like literally we were in there until about 11 o'clock um it didn't take us that long to limit out we were just kind of lollygagging around (laughs) and you could not go a second without looking around and seeing mallards and i don't mean like flocks way up high i mean we're on this point with milo on the point they were landing on the right side of the point they landed on the left they were flying over the over the milo i mean i've it was just like it was incredible it was in just you felt like you were in this world of millions of mallards. <laughs> I, I wish you would have been there. Yeah, it was awesome. That's a that's a dream for sure. <laughs> it was such a cool weekend because that first day we shot our limit the first day, but the decoying we shot an in decoying range, but it wasn't like we we're kind of looking not quite into the sun, but the birds kind of looked like silhouettes and and they weren't just doing it perfect like you know like you'd like. And then the second day there was probably one hundredth as many ducks but we shot our actually shot our limit quicker with them just feet down every time right over the decoys so it was an interesting two days one day was just being immersed in thousands and thousands of ducks and the second day was you know every five ten minutes just two or three dropping out of the sky without even circling right into the decoys so oh yeah it it made my season complete i could quit right now <laughs> I'm, I'm glad i have one weekend left but that was like that's what i've been waiting for because Mallards, I just hadn't had those good mallard hunts this year for some reason, so yeah. that capped it off. No, definitely happy for you. It sounds like a, a blast. And looking forward to coming up there this weekend and seeing the exact same number of, of ducks right where we're hunting, right? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, the reverse migration is definitely in the time and where, where it could be going. We've got some south wind days coming up between now and then. And I know a complex about an hour south of where we're hunting has thousands of birds because I talked to a guy that shot his limit there. Uh, three days in a row last weekend. So there's certainly a lot of birds in the state right now. There's no doubt. And I think I'm going to take a half day off on Friday um, to do a little extra scouting and try to get some things lined up. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, it'll be it'll be a good time regardless. So while we're on the updates, too, um, I definitely been having some awesome hunts with the geese. Me and Hunter shot um, a limit there quick two-man limit um over the weekend and then the day after on uh, a little solo hunt i shot another band so <laughs> number uh, three in one year yeah it's <laughs> crazy it's inc- the first thing congratulations I did, man congratulations <laughs> on that thanks man uh the first thing i did was call my dad and uh i actually put it in the video and, and that'll be coming out um tomorrow but um called him up right after it and i'm like laughing all giddy i'm like i can't believe it. i just shot another band I'm like, this is getting ridiculous. He's like, I know, this is stupid because <laughs> he, he wants a band too. You know, everybody does, but like, 
you know, he's like, I got to come, come goose hunting with you more. So, uh, but yeah. You know, I, I'm curious. I think that's the question we should ask Kyle tonight is if he has any idea or more geese banded than ducks. It seems like uh, goose bands are easier to get than duck. And I don't know if that's true or not. It seems like there's a lot more local banding going on of geese, like golf course geese and stuff like that um, than duck. But may, maybe I'm wrong. It seems that way. Yeah, definitely seems that way. Um, seems like you see more lanyards full of geese bands than you see duck bands unless it's you know in stuck arkansas or something so definitely would be yeah. an interesting question um but i know aiden or aiden already has two bands or three bands and uh, they're all they're all three geese and two of them are local here and he's on i mean this is only his third or fourth season mm. yeah all right, well, before we get too far into the podcast, let's go ahead and give a big thanks out to our partners. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Boss Shot Shell. And, uh, you know, it can definitely attest to um, the lethality of Boss Shot Shell on geese uh, as I've been hunting them a lot lately. Uh, last time, I actually shot a scotch double, um, number fours, two and three quarter. And my buddy Hunter will, will leave the brand unnamed but he was shooting uh three and a half inch shell number twos and uh you know he, it took four shells to his one goose and two shells to my three so <laughs> <laughs> um but you know american-made company uh they're great local guys up in michigan been up there a few times now um a lot of awesome things we can say about those guys but um the big selling point on that product is you got a high density shell with bismuth this copper coated bismuth um, and you can shoot a smaller size um, shot to give you the same kind of uh, umph you'd get in a bigger pellet. So, you know, you get a denser pattern, more kinetic, kinetic energy, um, and it just really has great knockdown power. So make sure to give Boss Shot Shell and those guys uh, a look. Guys, do not forget to check out HTR Innovations and the products they have over there. On my weekend trip, again, I had the HTR A-frame with me, the layout pad, and the gun stand. Um, it just Their products help you be more versatile. They're American-made, and certainly get on over there. Google search HTR Innovations. Check out their website. Check out what they've got. And uh, the product code is DuckGun with a space, capital D-U-C-K, Space G U N the D and the G capitalized ten percent off and free shipping, especially if you don't have an A frame, guys. I mean that will expand your hunting exponentially. So go go check it out. Awesome. Also, big thanks out to Motion Duck Decoy, um, and me and I both been using the Ultimate Spreader and just the Spreader as well um, this season. The Ultimate seven ducks and the regular Spreader is just four, and it's not like traditional jerk rig that has been around forever um it's got a system of pulls that spreads out the decoys and when you give um the cable a jerk all of the decoys spread out give it super lifelike motion um and the great thing about it is it breaks down um in minutes super easy to set up anytime i'm hunting no wind conditions you better believe i'm gonna have that in my set um creating tons of ripples for your spread um and definitely, you know, check them out. We had Ben on the podcast. Um, he's from out in Washington and uh, super nice guy and um, an outstanding product as well. So you got the product code for that one as well, Elliot? 
It's all caps, duck gun, no space, D-U-C-K-G-U-N, 10% off, free shipping, and you get a free anchor bag um, when you put in that code as well. Awesome. Uh, last partners I want to talk about is Banded Avery and GHG. And I want to talk just for a second about the Banded waiters, because if you are on the internet, you've probably seen, you know, there's memes here and there talking about Banded waiters and them being leaky and and things of that nature. And the, the history behind that is when they put, first put out their waiters, uh, you can call them their 1.0s, um, they got a reputation for leaking. And now they have come out with the Red Zone 2.0. I received four pairs of those this year. Uh, my dad's wearing a pair, I wear a pair, my boys wear a pair, and I just kind of intermittently switch them around. Jordan, Jordan, did you get one pair or two pair? I got a pair. You got a pair. And I can tell you, Jordan has now worn his um over 40 hunts he doesn't have a single leak on my four i've got two that i personally punctured one on a um i think it's called a locust tree and one on a barbed wire fence so i did that and they were repaired and they're fine now and the other two do not leak so out of the five pairs that jordan and i have had and we hunt these things hard uh we don't have a single leak that's bandit's fault so dispel the myth that banded wake banded waiters leak maybe the first pair did but these 2.0s seem to be just in fact golden boy had a pair of 1.0s and those did leak and he got a pair of twos and they they're going strong now so and you know when you go to these breathable waiters you're not going to go back to neoprene you can wear them and i put them on when i'm before i'm leaving the house and wear them in the truck you can't even tell so go ahead banded.com check those waiters out and all their other products it's a great great company um, kind of while we're on the, the subject of being hard on our equipment, um, if you watch the shot cam of uh, the GHG um, goose decoys I have in my set from that goose hunt, I lay a two and three quarter inch shell at about 10 yards smack dab into one of my decoys. <laughs> so it, it literally like it, it's hard to tell because there's like a branch exploding and the decoy moving, but it looks like the decoy like gets air. So. <laughs> And what is it add all holes in it and stuff? Now? Oh yeah, I could shake it around like a uh, like a musical instrument. Like, <laughs> man, so. I had um, I had a pintail. I shot off my first pintail this weekend, although it was a hen. But I, I shot it, and it was right in my GHG mallard decoys, and it was wounded, <laughs> and I couldn't get a shot on it because I didn't want to kill a decoy. And I was waiting. I was waiting. <laughs> kill a decoy. Then that sucker got up and took off flying, and we Aiden actually had to kill it again but and I, I probably should have just mowed down one of those decoys because i almost lost the <laughs> pintail <laughs> yeah no but i'm I, doing it for canada you better be doing it for a, a pintail well i didn't realize i didn't i mean i didn't realize it was that healthy that it was gonna it, uh, when i got yeah, up it yeah. flew off strong too oh wow yeah so but that, i got my bonus duck that day but those jhe decoys I, i'm I, I like them yeah definitely a big fan so also, speaking of fans um, and viewers and listeners, you know, big shout out to you guys tuning in week after week. Um, we know we're going into the off season, but we're not going to be going anywhere. Um, off season is going to be here before we know it, but we'll still be getting interesting guests. And we know a lot of you guys kind of um, start focusing on other things, but we'll still be around when you get <laughs> when the duck depression hits come spring and summer and fall and you're ready to dive back in so um you know if you haven't make sure you you hit that sub button on itunes and you'll get the notifications whenever we're getting a podcast and whenever you get that depression 
setting in, we'll be there for you. So, anyways, guys, let's go ahead, and I think it's a perfect time to go ahead and bring in our guest for tonight. Um, it's going to be a good one, so stay tuned. Hey, guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. Alrighty, folks, we are back, and we are live with the guest, and he is the 2018-2019, both years, world champion goose calling um, as well as he boasts 34 wins and 75 top fives, and he's currently ranked number two in the Goose Calling Power Rankings. How you doing tonight, Kyle? And I'm doing, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm doing really great, man. I, I appreciate you having me on here, and you and Elliot, you guys are, you guys are a really good time. So I'm, I'm looking forward to talking goose hunting. Alrighty, Kyle, we got you back. Alrighty. What happened there? Oh, I think I don't know if it was my end or your end, but we had a call drop there. So, um, okay, my, uh, yeah, <laughs> no worries. Yeah. We'll be able to edit that out and back to smooth sailing. So, um, okay. but yeah, um, super pumped to have you on here tonight. The topic for tonight, um, is going to be black belt level goose hunting. Um, as the thumbnail says, hunt like a champion. <laughs> So, um, so one question, one, one quick question is who's, if you're ranked number two, who's number one and do you know him? Oh yeah. Uh, number one is Robbie Iverson. Uh, he is three time world goose calling champion. Uh, and then he's also won the world goose calling champion of champions, which is like only the champions can compete in that or the guys that have won a world title. And he has won it. Uh, he won it in 2015. He's been retired now for four years, five years now. So huh. he's uh, he's an unbelievable caller. We actually uh, grew up uh, calling together, you know, uh, and getting better with each other, you know, learning from him. And then he learned from me, kind of went hand in hand as far as working together to better ourselves uh, and relying on each other for that. So he's, you know, he's rightfully, you know, number one, man. He's, he's the greatest of all time, in my opinion. Awesome. Well, that's a pretty, pretty cool uh, backstory. And I was kind of curious too, um, how, how you could be number two after winning worlds, um, two years in a row. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously. It's, what do you got to do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's close. It's really close, but man, he, uh, yeah, like I said, he's, he's easily the greatest, uh, in my opinion anyway. So, uh, but it's close. I'm I'm closing the gap there. Now you're you're not that old. How old how old are you? Uh, I just turned 28. So I'm. Yeah, I mean, in... are you a lot younger than most of the accomplished callers? I would think that that seems like a really young age to have the success that you've had. Um. Well, so Robbie, he was retired by the time he was like 22. Oh wow. Um, yeah, so he was he was fairly young. He won his first one when he was 17. Uh, and then, you know, most of the guys there, about 
about my age right now, uh, 28 to 30. Uh, the youngest guys competing right now are about, you know, 20, 21, 19. Uh, I work with a kid. Um, he's 16. He's probably the youngest one that is, you know, he can, is, he's the youngest one that can really, you know, be a force uh, with, within you know the the group of guys that have been competing with each other for a while uh so he'd probably be the youngest one uh, but most of the guys will span between 22 to 28 29 30 awesome hmm. i'm surprised it's that young yeah i uh man when, whenever robbie and i were competing uh it was there were so many guys that were like 15 16 14 years old competing and then i guess they just figured out what women were and or hunting and <laughs> just kind of got distracted and stopped calling and you know they're still heck of callers but you know they just kind of got out of their whole contest calling scene and uh they just they the the younger age is not it's not a, appealing to them as much anymore i guess so it's a little frustrating but at the same time you know that's just how it goes so here's a here's a couple questions for a few questions for you. Um yeah. So I'm trying to figure out the best way to lead into this, but uh, um, so I actually put out an Instagram story. So first off, you guys need to check out Kyle Jones over in his Instagram. He's got some um, great content out there as well. Um, but one thing you put together, and I think you put it together this um, this year at some point, or I guess it was last year this at this time. Um, but you put together a, uh, <laughs> um, I guess a tutorial segment from your Instagram highlights on how to goose call. And you actually, uh, I put out a little story of me blowing a goose call. And the first thing you did, you messaged me, Hey man, uh, check out my tips and tricks. You really, uh, <laughs> you really need some help there. So. <laughs> oh man. I, I, it wasn't like a, you know, a, 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 a knock or anything like that, but man, like, you know, I got some, I got some stuff here. If you want to, <laughs> you want to utilize it. <laughs> well, it's definitely something I'm going to utilize. Cause, uh, one yeah. of my, my goals, and I just haven't got around to it. I mean, I can do the basic calling, but um, yeah. you know, I really want to up my game for for the goose calling. So um, I've looked into it, but I need to take some time and practice them. Um, so definitely, you know, a good resource that he has over there for anybody who's yeah. looking to up their game from a world champion's perspective on on goose calling. And also, kind of to hit on that in the same vein, um, been watching your Instagram stories and and content as well. And you guys are just off, um, your, your freelancing, was it, uh, Montana freelancing, Montana goose hunt? Yeah, man, that was incredible. That was so, you know, Matt McCormick, um, he's a photographer from, he works with Sitka and all those guys and Brady Davis. He, he lives in Montana. Well, they hold, they held a, uh, competition, a video submission based competition uh, of guys, you know, use the hashtag freelance honkers um, to be entered and the best video or who we think, you know, should go uh, wins. Right. So we had two guys that we had to pick um, and it could be funny. It could be, you know, serious. There was a, there's a great mixture of it. Um, but man, it was, absolutely incredible and it you know it wasn't it wasn't a guided hunt it wasn't uh leases leases or anything like that man it was solely knock on doors get permission uh hopefully we get there before another group does and it was 
unbelievable man and it was i mean there were so many geese uh, <laughs> they're, they're gonna get mad <laughs> that, I'm, that i'm talking about but man it was like man there was so many geese it was it was unbelievable did so not that not that numbers are everything but did you keep track of your, your of your guys uh numbers on your hunt out there yeah so um we actually the first day uh the first day we shot 30 uh was you know a six man limit um which was we were we had two fields uh locked up and had permission on and we decided to hunt the field with less geese and hunt a little bit of traffic just in case you know we needed a backup plan or needed a uh, plan b uh in case you know we couldn't find anything we didn't want to burn up the field that was loaded like absolutely Mm -hmm. loaded so what we did is we hunted the field with less geese ran a little bit of traffic um, and we shot, you know, our six man limit. And then the next day or that night after we, you know, we shot our geese and went and scouted, we actually gained permission on a piece of property that had a phenomenal feed, just a phenomenal goose feed. So we locked it down or so we thought, and we were driving up the road and we see a, a guy, a young guy and his, and his dad driving down the road and they stopped cause we're, you know, looking at, on x and everything like that making sure we're you know we're good with property lines and how we're going to set up and stuff like that and the guy pulls up and he's like hey guys you know you need a, you need help with anything or you guys lost or what and we'll we explain it and the kid in the passenger seat was like well i've got permission on that property too um it's just me can i hunt with you guys so it kind of turned out to be pretty cool because he hunted with us and we gained a, a really really cool friend uh, uh, to hunt with so that second day we shot 12 and then he hunted with us on the third day again uh, we found a good feed and he uh we shot 35 so it was, it was pretty cool oh, wow. so, i mean we shot we shot a good amount of geese in just a few days and it was it was a really good time man it was um it was a much needed uh hunting uh get a time away hunting trip you know oh yeah yeah definitely looked like a lot of fun that's a um, something you really don't hear, I guess, as much about as people going out freelance goose hunting a state like Montana opposed to, I mean, you hear a lot of people doing like the, the Arkansas duck hunting thing. So, um, it seemed like a pretty cool, unique thing you guys had going on there. Oh, for sure, man. And, uh, you know, that there's, there's still quite a few states that you can go out and do that. Uh, unfortunately, you know, Arkansas has some amazing duck hunting. Uh, when the when the weather's right and the conditions are right, but it's really really hard uh, and kind of unheard of to go and knock on doors and gain permission and everything like that. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, in this day and age, you know, so it was it was really cool. It was really refreshing. Uh, and then you know, a combination with being able to get permission on a spot and then actually run into the guy that actually that had permission as well. I mean. You know, he had permission first, so he could have been like, well, I'm hunting it, you know. Uh, but he was like, well, it's just me. And it was really cool, really refreshing to to have that uh, and build that camaraderie and, and friendship there versus just being like, all right, you know, screw you guys. I'm going to hunt it. I got it first, you know, kind of being like a little selfish about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it was really cool. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely cool to hear, you know, uh, um, as waterfowlers and hunters, it's kind of – um, you know, it's just way better to hear stories about people banding together and, 
and teamwork opposed to uh, people fighting with each other and all kind of stuff. So definitely props to all you guys on that and making that happen. Um, so I guess let's just go ahead and um, jump into the main topic and um, just to kind of, you know, would you consider yourself an expert goose hunter at this point? Um, I personally, uh, no, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm confident in my ability to go out and hunt Canada geese, but I don't think I'd ever, I don't think I, had, I would ever want to consider, uh, being a, an expert, you know, I don't think anybody has, has that, uh, say, you know, cause we, every single hunting experience, man, just brings something different and throws you for a different loop, you know, very, you know, how many times have you gone out hunting and everything's gone as planned, you know, like, yeah, that's ideal. That's what you want, but it's yeah, not, yeah. it's not, not what you want, <laughs> not what you get, you know? So, but you know, I, I would, you know, I have a lot of advice that I can give or, or insight, but it's not one of those where it's like, you know, Hey, my way, highway <laughs> type deals. It's, it's definitely not one of those, you know, I'm always, always open to other opinions and, oh, um, yeah. And, and hearing and learning from that. Yeah, that's, a, you know, definitely an attitude of humility for the um, the number of geese and the success I see you having. Um, you know, Elliot could probably take uh, an, a, a look at that attitude, you know, the way he talks about mallards and <laughs> <laughs> being Such the expert purist, on those. <laughs> just, a, just a purist. Yeah, he's, he's definitely a greenhead purist, so. <laughs> I'm just ignoring. I'm just every week it's getting worse and worse with Jordan talking trash, and I'm just taking gut shot after gut shot. I'm not even going to say anything. Oh. I know, I know, I know. He Jordan said that he's going to Kansas pretty soon, right? So you guys can just video yeah. you duking it out in the in the marsh, you know. And and yeah, Jordan's been trying to piggyback off my success for years. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately it hasn't worked yet but uh i'll just keep piggybacking <laughs> away so <laughs> I know. yeah we kill him when he's not around <laughs> yeah that's how it always goes yeah um so i guess the first topic i want to you know starting from the top on on goose hunting um so i guess take us through um your thoughts on scouting um well i mean that's huge it, it's extremely important you know i mean there's there's areas that i've been in where i could i knew that if i just got in a field and set up because i knew that how many geese were flying over i could kind of you know last minute uh you know last ditch effort hail mary could go out set up some type of spread some type of hide and either run traffic and pull some geese but you know that's not ideal that's not what you drive hours on hours for you know that's that's the uh man i forgot to scout this week type attitude <laughs> and that's that's happened before i've done it i'll admit it um but no scout scouting is scouting's huge you know you want to make sure that uh either you're getting permission on the x or you're somewhere between where they roost and where they and the x you know just to try to get under them in some uh way shape or form whether it's directly under their flight path or you know 400 500 yards off the flight path just to try to run traffic um there's there's quite a few things i try to look for uh and obviously you know getting into 
extreme depth here, you can weather patterns can affect it tremendously. Uh, you know, like uh, in Montana, what we're looking at is, I mean, it's five degrees uh, and clear. I mean, obviously that's that's not a good combination for Canada geese in January. Um, you want you're, you're looking at those geese are going to fly between three and four thirty in the afternoon, maybe even closer to five, uh, pushing shooting time. You know, just because it's so cold, they're going to be so uh, they want to lay so tight on the ice, on the water, uh, and conserve as much energy uh, as possible. You know, so I always, whenever I scout, I'm always looking at the weather for the days that I'm trying to plan. Uh, and hunt for obviously with wind conditions uh, whenever you get to that field gain permission or whether you have your field that you have an x on you know where you're going to be hiding so you can be that much you know a, a step further ahead so that way you're not pulling into the field uh and be like all right guys where are we gonna hide you know it, it, that's not a that's not ever a, a a good feeling um having seven guys try to decide where to hide you know you always want to be as precise as possible, uh, especially if you are hunting an X field, because that can come to bite you uh, if you're off by a hundred yards. You know, um, generally I try to look for, uh, and again, this is weather dependent. I'm trying to look for spread out, relaxed geese. Ninety uh, percent of the time, if you drive by a field and they're all super tight uh, and close to each other, it's usually because it's either really really cold uh or there's something that's causing those geese to congregate uh i feel like you know the more spread out they are uh the the, the looser the 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 flock is uh it generally relates to all right this, these geese are relaxed there's not any threat um in the area they're cool with this field uh, if they're usually tight uh it they're 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 threatened they just got in the field uh, and they're trying to figure out what's going on with the food situation there or there's a threat and they're trying to figure out what's going on so you know I, that's that's some things that i just kind of take into account um whenever i'm scouting um, just really really making sure everything's precise and looking like how i want it to look so kind of to hit on on something you said there earlier so um when you got those really cold clear days and the geese are just going to sit all morning um i mean what what is your your uh strategy for coming at that is it just you know we gotta wait till um we got a windy day with lots of weather that's gonna push them out to the field to feed or i mean what are you kind of looking at um as far as if, if that's your only day to hunt are you just kind of plumb out of luck or or what's your man so in that situation i understand you know there's only some guys can only hunt Saturday, Sunday, you know, and I, I completely understand that. And uh, with that type of situation, say you scouted this field all week, these geese are hitting it every single day at this time. And then Saturday, it's four degrees out and it's clear. Like you can see the moon, you can see the stars. That's not a good indication of uh, those geese getting there at nine o'clock, nine thirty in the morning. Uh, so in that type of situation, man, I'm going right back to bed. <laughs> um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to go go back to bed. I'm going to go eat a nice breakfast, uh, make sure everything's ready to go. And then I'm trying to go and set up, uh, try to set up between 12 uh, and, and 1 o'clock uh, because, you know, you might 
Um, He's back. Yep, I am back. I apologize. No worries. I got um, it. So, so what were the uh, days you were saying where they don't fly until afternoon? What were those weather conditions? Clear and cold with no wind? Or just clear and uh, cold? It's just clear and cold in general. Um, usually that's that's the case because i mean you think uh january february when you're hunting these late season canada geese uh or even december i mean they're trying to conserve as much energy as possible um with it being clear and cold you know they're not they don't there's no need for them to get up and feed right away they're not technically in like survival mode whereas like if it's downpouring snow uh you know and it's 20 degrees out uh, there's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's ideal conditions for, you know, late season Canada. You want that to be, you want it to be snowing. You want it to be 20 degrees, uh, low visibility, and you want to be in some type of X field. But, you know, if you get clear and cold, there's not really a need for them to, to move and utilize and use that energy when they don't need to. So they'll just sit there and, and hold it all in all day. Um, you know, and, and they won't you know, fly until, I mean, I, hopefully, and the guy that can only hunt on Saturday and Sunday, hopefully they're flying at two o'clock whenever he just gets done setting up. But there's a possibility that he's going to be getting those geese at three thirty, four o'clock. So your, your exact ideal conditions, it would be 20 degrees. It would be snowing. <laughs> it would be, mm-hmm. um, what would the, what would the wind speed be? Man, ideal conditions would be like 30 degrees. And then just because that's cold enough to have the ground, the ground would be hard enough to be able to pull in. I would have (laughs) six to eight inches of snow, maybe a little bit more. That way you have a snow cover on your layout line. uh, And that snow comes right up to the door frames. And you can Mm. just get a snow shovel, shovel in, dig in and be invisible and then have a good wind between, you know, 12 to 12 to 15 miles per hour. Uh, and man, that would be, it could be out of the North, South, East. It wouldn't matter at that point. I mean, because it, it's just like that, that's gold mine right there for, for me anyway, you know, um, snow and downpour snow, low visibility. Um, that's, that's money. Awesome. Um, so kind of to hit on somewhat of a, a controversial topic, um, but Elliot and I, and I have both got a little bit of hate here and there for hunting geese on water. And I know that most of the big-time goose hunters are primarily field hunters. So what, what are your thoughts on field hunting versus water hunting? Well, let's let's rewind just a slight bit, all right? Okay. I feel like anybody, man, if that's what you guys prefer or what you have going on, I don't see why it should be getting, you know, hated on. You know, that's just, I, I can't stand that. Nowadays, it's just getting terrible with the, the, I guess, social media peer pressure of doing things, uh, the, the commenter's way you know what i'm saying like if Mm -hmm. your preferred method is shooting canada geese on a farm pond man have at it you know like that's have fun man uh but no i 
and to go back to what you're saying, like, uh, I love shooting Canada's over water. That is like, that's so much fun to me, in my opinion, because it, it's just the geese in, in my experience, they finish a whole lot better, you know, because most of the time, if you're hunting water, they've been there before. Uh, so they're, that's, they know that's their safe zone, right? So these geese are coming in, dragging their feet across the water, uh, coming in low. Or, I mean, if you shoot them a little bit uh, up, like 20 yards, I mean, just a smack on the water is like, <laughs> all right, man. You know, and you, it's, it's, uh, it's just a sense of accomplishment, you know, that, hey, I finished, finished some Canada geese on the water. That's, that's awesome. You know, I love it. Um, I, you know, if I were, uh, if I were to pick a specific scenario, I would love to have snow and then ice and just a little bit of open water and just have that spread looking nasty, like shells on the ice, floaters in the water, full bodies on the ice and in the field or something like that. And that'd be, it'd be great, but no, shoot them over water. That's, that's great. Have at it. Awesome. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about I'd you. I'd say Elliot, the best. But... Pro- I would say probably the best video that I, my favorite video I've ever made was um, geese on the Kansas River on a little ice shelf with, just like you said, with some decoys in the water. Most of them on the land. I'm gonna have to after this show. I'm gonna have to send you a link to this because it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that was. I, I'm as much of a duck hunter as I am. If I could do that every every hunt, I. Oh my gosh, finish them at like 10, 12 yards. I bet you'd, you'd be interested in seeing it. I'll have to send you that link over. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you, you can, if you have a few people too, and you get a good group in there that's just finishing it, right? They're just like, they're doing it. Like these geese are going to land if you don't call a shot in a matter of three <laughs> seconds, right? I mean, it is like throwing a net over geese. I mean, it is like, Boom, 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 right? And you're just like mm. looking, you're like, whoa, what? <laughs> you're like, holy crap, we got how many? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's one of those. It's like, it's really cool uh, to just finish those geese over water. And it, it, I like it. It's a, I love it. No, Elliot, please send me that, man. I, I'd love to watch it. Yeah, there's one shot on there where it's a group of about eight coming in. And I shot this one. It, it felt like he was going to land on my, on my layout blind. Cause I mean, I shot him probably 12 yards, wings extended feet down, like, literally, like you said, a big butterfly net or a bat. It was oh, incredible. Yeah. There's, there's nothing more fun than that. I'll say. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. I love, I love geek over water. It's great. Awesome. Uh, next thing I wanted to kind of hit on um, is let's go ahead and, and talk up or talk about uh, setup and 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 your spread and I guess the different strategies that you employ when you're uh, thinking about your setup for the day. For sure, man. And uh, you know that that comes along with you know scouting, uh, weather, wind. You know, uh, I really. Uh, you know, geese are extremely aggressive uh, animals, and they are, whenever you're, you know, a lot of guys, especially newer guys, whenever they start getting into goose hunting, they don't realize, um, like, hey, you're not, whenever you're calling at geese, you're 
actually not calling at them to come hang out, right? It's like a whole reverse psychology factor with those geese. Uh, and you're trying to, you're trying to master that, right? Because you're actually telling those geese like, yo, this is my spot. Like, this is my food. This is my mate. This is my, this is my little spot here. Do not come by. And that's why those geese get more and more aggressive, uh, around their mates, around their food and everything like that. That's whenever they start to get more vocal. Um, you know, and you know, whenever you're, whenever you, you're calling just think of that as well because you're like all right you're trying to give off that illusion of all right yeah this spot is safe but at the same time yeah this is my spot you know so it's like it's a whole reverse psychology deal it's kind of tricky because like whenever you think about it you just get i get whenever i first learned that i was so confused i was like oh my gosh this is this is going to cause a nightmare um but you know i say I'll just give like a, a scenario out there. I'm on an X field. Uh, I've got a good hide, uh, you know, eight inches of snow, snow covers on layout blind, a um, couple dozen goose decoys. doesn't have to be, it could be full body silos, shells. Um, you know, I, you know, with shells, the shells are always going to be facing into the wind. You know, all the geese that are ever, that ever land, um, and, and hit the snow and uh, you can watch them in a park or anything like that. They will always be, if there's a good wind, they will always be facing into that wind. I have no idea why. Um, it is just something that I've noticed and have picked up on and I've learned from a couple guys as well. But like sleeper shells, if you've got a bunch of sleeper shells, you all, they always need to put the, you know, they're facing into the wind, right? Um, so if, if I were, eight inches of snow, snow, you know, a couple dozen decoys, a couple dozen sleeper shells. Um, I'm trying to put my sleeper shells in the um, far upwind side, right, to show that these geese are hitting the ground. They're sitting on top of the snow. They're trying to melt the snow with their body heat to get to the food below. And then behind those or downwind, you've got your Canada goose decoys or Canada geese walking around that I've already you know, establish that area that they've laid down in, melted that snow, and food is easier to access. Um, I try to stay away from, like, alphabet spreads or anything like that just because it's what a lot of guys run, and it's effective. Um, but with late-season Canada geese, I mean, I just try – what I try to resemble is what I saw in that field uh, the day before uh, or a couple days prior is – relaxed geese, uh, geese that are as realistic as possible. But what I try to do is I try to, I set decoys where I don't want my geese landing, right? So obviously you're going to have your kill hole or your hole right in front of the blinds, uh, depending on the wind. Um, so I try to generally keep that open and then just kind of have a few different like escape routes, I guess. Um, so, you know, it could be, it could be a giant, you know, it, it could just be like a giant uh, horseshoe type looking deal, right? Um, with a giant opening right in the middle. And that's, you know, that's kind of what I do. I don't really go as far as like getting crazy with like fingers or big hooks or lines or anything like that. Uh, I try to resemble what I saw last um, and just, 
have a hole where the geese are focused on the calling uh, and that opening uh, so they don't land with other geese. Because you got to think, like, if they're going to be landing with other geese, uh, those are, you know, they're aggressive. They're in, they typically don't want to land right next to them, you know. So it's, it's, like I said, it's that reverse psychology factor playing into it again. Um, but, yeah, that's a, kind of a, not generic, but a in-depth look um at you know my thought process going into it it's just kind of like i want geese and decoys set where i don't want them landing you know um so i generally try to keep that hole right open right in front of us awesome yeah that makes complete sense with that um thought process um on the decoys do you have kind of a preference between and and some of the guys that i've hunted with we have had a little debate on this but wind socks or silhouettes or shells or full bodies i mean are full bodies better than all the rest i know that was kind of a thought process for a long time um or what what's kind of your your thoughts on the decoys yeah i mean i man in montana uh we we hunted over eight dozen dave smith and ten dozen avian x sleeper shells you know so it was a high quality extremely really really realistic spread um uh, but you know we were in the right spot at the right time. So we could have gone out there with five dozen black and white or, you know, silhouettes, whether they're dive bomb, big owls, whatever, real geese. And we would have had probably the same result because we were in the right spot at the right time. Uh, and we put ourselves in the best situation possible. Right. So there are times when the silos are way more advantageous than full bodies or anything like that. I would tend to go in late season. If I'm on an X, I would try to go full body um, because it, it, it looks more realistic. Um, there's more depth there uh, with, uh, with the, with the goose decoys and, and your look. Um, but also, you know, as far as a visibility standpoint, usually uh, full bodies are a little bit bigger and, you know, you just want to kind of stand out, especially if you're hunting in snow. But, you know, I wouldn't pass up the opportunity to use silos either. You know, like I'm, whenever I go up to Michigan this weekend, uh, I'm probably going to be using only silos because, you know, we're, it, it's the ground hard enough to freeze, but it's supposed to get a little warm and we've got to pack everything in, you know, and that's just, that's just, we're dealing the, the hand we're dealt. Um, but, you know, I don't think there's there's situations where those types of decoys are more advantageous than others, um, you know, but I, I understand a lot of guys, you know, they're, they hunt with silos because that's their preferred method or, you know, everybody's situation is a little bit different. Um, I mean, if I were hunting an X field, absolutely, like, give me everything you got, silos, shells, full bodies. I'm trying to look as big as possible and just trying to create a black hole um, to to draw the attention and be a big magnet uh, to to the geese that I'm that I'm trying to traffic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, another thing I wanted to hit up on. I know you said uh, earlier with your ideal conditions, it's a layout in the snow. Um, mm-hmm. But um, one thing that I've been doing a lot is a-frame hunting for geese and um, even using those out in the middle of the field 
Um, but what are your thoughts on A-frames versus the layout? Man, uh, I will never pass up the opportunity to use an A-frame over a layout <laughs> because I want to sit up. I want to sit down. Uh, I want to sit on top of a bucket. And, and honestly, I'm a 10 times better shot uh, <laughs> when I'm shooting out of an A-frame or panel blind, whatever. It, it's uh, it, it's great. I love hunting out of an A-frame. If I have, if I have the right snow and, and snow covers um, with an A-frame, I would absolutely run an A-frame out in the middle of a snow. I mean, because the depth there is is off. You know, they're not they're not going to be able, especially if everybody's got snow camel on, uh, and you cover up some of those holes. They're not going to tell what you know. They're just going to think that's a little hill there. You know, there's not going to be that depth perception. They don't have that um, to get. You know, to understand. Oh wow, that's a big, like a four foot tall snow a snow hill. You know, they don't they don't have that. Um, but you know, if you don't have the snow covers, that's when I might go to the layout with the snow cover because your lower profile, you're matching the surroundings or anything like that. But no, I, I love a frame. Uh, the more you have, the more you have, the better it looks, uh, the more natural it looks. You know, if you have two or three of them out in the middle of a cornfield, it looks extremely realistic. It looks like an hedgerow. Uh, versus just one out there it kind of is like a you know uh just like an eyesore kind of but i mean you can still have good success with it absolutely no i, I love them man i it that's my if i couldn't if i could choose if you made me choose between okay uh a frames in the middle or layouts in the middle, i'm absolutely gonna pick a frame <laughs> um just because man it, it is nice not having to lay on the ground and get cold and all that stuff it it is you can have a heater if you got a buddy that has a sweet cooker he can cook breakfast in there you're you're set you're you're set awesome yeah i can uh kind of speak to that a little bit um i've only layout hunted uh just a handful of times um yeah and we a-frame hunt i mean almost every time so uh we had our, our first layout hunt earlier this year and uh <laughs> Oh man, the first couple times I went to 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 sit up and uh my strap got tangled around my my gun oh, barrel. Yeah. I, I go to aim down and all I can see is is my my strap on that and then uh um the next ones the the shot call was called just a little late so it's like you you get up and you go to shoot and they're already veering off to one of the sides and you can't shoot over the other. You know, so <laughs> yeah. That and there's some definitely some user error in that, but like you said, it's <laughs> ten times easier in a, in an A-frame. And you know, the next hunt we went out in the A-frame, and it was just, I mean, yeah. it's a it's night and day difference. And you know, I, I definitely prefer the A-frame over the layouts. And there's I'm, there's people who prefer the layout. It is definitely pretty cool to to lay hidden in that and have the geese coming right over you. So there's definitely pros and cons to both. But I would say on a on a, a simplicity or uh, ease of use level, the A-frame is, uh, <laughs> in my opinion, as well, is just um, definitely ahead of uh, of the layout on that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm 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 with you there. I mean, it, to touch on what you just talked about uh, with your strap getting caught up, I mean, I if I have the opportunity to take new people out hunting, I don't, I honestly don't want to to hunt out of the layout because of safety. Uh, you know, you want to make sure that that person 
it's their first time out that it's their you know you you're trying to take as much precaution as you can to make sure that they're having a good experience and having a good first waterfowl hunt or whatever um but you also have to take into account like okay this is you know if i'm layout hunting i'm usually doing this with a couple of my buddies that have hunted around around each other for a while they know my the shooting lanes a guy that's new he doesn't really have the um that that thought process yet um whereas with an a-frame it's literally like stand up shoot uh and everybody else can stay down or shoot with you you know it's not a it's not a if a if a guy you know the guy's given an opportunity in the layout blind and he's sitting in the middle and you're like all right you know johnny shoot him and that bird veers to the right well he's going to follow that bird and keep going to the right right that's a not a good situation for the a-frame you know he's you can at least control it a little bit more you know yep definitely agree on that yeah, that's a great point. I've never really thought about that. I've definitely thought about the shooting is so much harder out of a layout, but I've never thought of that safety aspect of it. And I mean, yeah. we, one of our partners is HTR Innovations and I got a hold of an A-frame last year. And one of our goals with waterfowl hunting is just to be as versatile as possible. And so, you know, we've only hunted out of the A-frame three or four times, five times this year, but having that A-frame in your arsenal makes oh man it just gives you so many more opportunities um that you didn't that you don't have without it it's just a wonderful tool oh i i'm i'm with you there i mean like uh i know uh i know you just went down to arkansas a few weeks ago uh mm-hmm. and it's you've got flooded timber you got buck brush and then you've got rice fields and bean fields right mm-hmm. well a lot of times you're looking at that type of scenario and i was down with my buddy uh goose hunting uh for specs and snows and and uh i'm looking at this field and i'm like where are we hiding at man and we went right to the ditch and we put these a-frames at the bottom of the ditch and they were completely level with the field you can you didn't even like if you would have looked back and uh glassed the field from where we were hidden, you wouldn't have known. You know, there's so many different uh, possibilities and scenarios that you can you can utilize those in that a lot of guys, you know, they don't really, they don't realize or think of firsthand, you know. I mean, I just saw the other day uh, a guy, he had panel blinds and he didn't have a boat blind, but he's taking those panel blinds and running them all along the side of his boat. So he just pulled his boat right up on the shore and then puts the panel blind all the way around it and i was like i didn't even think of that you know i was like yeah that would be that's great you know i don't even have to you know you don't have to worry about putting it up or putting it down or anything like that you literally pull your boat up right along the bank you put your panel blind out and you're hidden you know i was like holy crap man that's great oh yeah definitely. you know i think even pretty myself i wouldn't put in a set blind like a pit or even like we were wanting to hunt in Arkansas, because once you do that, you're there. And no matter what the wind is, you can't adjust. Yeah, if I owned property, private property, I would just stick with like some panel blinds, A frames, so that you can be versatile and even just move around um, where you're at. I know several times down there in Arkansas, 
we were hunting and I was like, man, if we just had an A-frame and I had an A-frame and a couple guys, that other side right over there, 200 yards away, you know, but mm-hmm. you get these fixed blinds and you just can't, you just can't move it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that, that I, I struggle with that because I came, you know, I, I moved from an area where I could go get permission uh, on different fields or different ponds or marshes or whatever and kind of moving down south it's really there's a lot of locked land that are you know guys have permanent blinds they got pit blinds so you're just sitting in there and it's like man this is what we're doing again today you know <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. one of those i'm like i can't sometimes i struggle with it you know and it, it's uh it it can be frustrating absolutely i'm with you there man I'd, I'd love to be able to be mobile uh you know i i have i do work for uh Mobarsh. Uh, and that's kind of one of you know, I'm not trying to give us a plug or anything like that, but really they, they've got a, a really cool product that a lot of guys I mean I know that you hunt uh Jordan, I know you've got the Invisilab and that has allowed you to hunt your dog in a lot of areas where you really couldn't. Oh, so yeah. they've got the the blinds that are just like that. And it's it's really, really cool to be that versatile, you know? Oh yeah. So, uh, there, there is one thing, uh, I will go back and on just kind of like a rambling point here, uh, and go back to the decoy spread. Right. Uh, and it's one thing that Kelly powers, uh, who's a world, world Goose champion. And, sorry, my dog is barking. Uh, Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, uh, world Goose champion and world champion champions. He, you know, he kind of taught me this little trick here. Uh, when it comes to setting decoy spreads uh, with the uh, with the sentry, right? You can utilize those sentries to direction, uh, basically control the sense of direction that those geese are going to be landing, right? Uh, you can set those goose decoys, uh, those sentries, and he calls them their soldiers, right? And basically, by facing those downwind and facing them in the areas that the geese are going to be approaching from those geese aren't going to want to land head on with those other geese right they're gonna they're gonna want to bump and move and and kind of slide off uh the other direction like either left or right you know so you can utilize those um those those sentries there to uh to, to to dictate where those geese are going to land you get what i'm saying like you can you can set those uh mm. on that far edge of your spread kind of facing downwind but towards you know kind of towards the blinds a little bit and those geese are going to want to kind of pitch towards the blinds more they're going to want to bump off those because they're not going to want to face them or land them land with them face you know face to face they're going to want to land and pitch towards the open hole that is set in front of your blind so if you have you know if you have some situations where uh those geese are uh, are kind of sliding off you can take those sentries and utilize those to create kind of like a wall or a fence and corral them towards the towards the hole awesome no that definitely makes sense and i've actually uh never tried that but uh definitely something to consider yeah no, I, I meant to talk on that, uh, touch on that a little bit earlier, but 
Um, I got off, got a little off track here. It's all good. <laughs> oh, that never happens on our podcast. <laughs> um, so I got. Let me ask one more question about decoys before you move okay. on to the next topic. Um, so if you're so if you're hunting, let's say a pond, and the pond's been holding both ducks and geese, and you've got about you know four or five dozen um, duck decoys, and maybe let's say you just have a dozen goose floaters, where is the best positioning for those goose floaters in in that whole spread? Um, it it really depends. Uh, obviously, you know your hide and your wind. Um, I always would try to. Um, say, I mean, if there's a, ever a situation where I can use uh, and hunt a pond where I can utilize both full bodies and floaters for geese, I will. Not only because of visibility, but just that super realistic look. Um, but if you only have goose floaters, uh, I will always try to put my ducks on the far upwind side uh, because I've always noticed, you know, geese aren't geese. Ducks will land with geese, but geese won't land with the ducks. You know, they're going to want to finish. The geese are going to want to finish with the geese. They don't want to, they're not going to want to pass over those, those ducks, uh, in order to get the geese, uh, you know, to get to the other goose decoys. So like if I'm say my wind's at my back and that pond is, you know, 50 yards wide by 30 yards long, I'm going to try to line that bank with the duck decoys and set my goose floaters out, you know, 10 more yards and have a little bit of a gap in there um, okay. just to kind of show that little bit of separation there. I know you get, you can get to like parks okay. and, and, and stuff like that where they're intermixed, but more often. That makes than, sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. More often than I've seen, they've always been a little bit separated. Okay. Normally, normally um, when we do goose hunt, cause we don't do field goose hunt at all. Uh, but we've got we've got a pond and we've got our white rock socks and silhouettes and then normally a dozen goose floaters so we've always i just don't have the knowledge to know you know like how do i how do i set this up um, we try to mimic mm -hmm. what we see in there and um, as far as where we're setting up but that uh, that that's helpful yeah and, and i will say you know anytime you can use those goose floaters uh or even your your white rocks there the best duck decoys are goose decoys because of the visibility uh and you know they're a larger animal so it's you know they they can see things better and they're just it's like a more of a sense of security type deal so i would always try to have unless you know unless it's just like not a realistic situation like i'm not going to go take canada goose decoys to my timber hole right but if i'm out mm -hmm. in uh, a public wma that's all you know flooded uh marsh and all that stuff yeah i'm gonna take some goose decoys because the visibility but at the same time it's just realistic too it's 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 applicable you know um but yeah i would i would definitely just throw them out there but keep them just a just a little bit of separation there it shouldn't be shouldn't be enormous awesome so now to jump to the topic that you've probably been waiting for this whole time Let's go ahead and talk about um, goose calling. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All righty. Um, so, yeah, I guess um, how important would you say goose calling is 
uh, when you're trafficking? Is that, I mean, it's got to be a, a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, this, I mean, that's really uh, with traffic, you're going by visibility and sound. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, you've already done your part or done your job of setting a, a, a good size decoy spread. You know, you and your buddies banded together. You got a couple dozen decoys out. Uh, so, I mean, when it comes to calling, I mean, you're trying to get that flock's attention uh, from a good ways away uh, to, to say, hey, you know, we got food here. But again, going back to that reverse psychology thing, like, it's like, all right, yeah, we got food here, but back up, right? So then those geese are like, all right, well, if they got food, why do we need to fly another half mile? You know, if they got food, we can just go feed them up or fight them for it, you know? Uh, in my, I mean, whenever you're hunting traffic, uh, the more you can do on a call, uh, it, it is so important, um, because it'll just, I mean, especially if you're in a high pressured area, um, you know, you'll be able to out, out muscle, uh, the guys that are hunting next to you, uh, because you, you're you're able to do a little bit more. You're able to sound more realistic. You're a little bit louder, uh, a little bit faster. You just keep their attention uh, a little bit more, you know? So I, I would say that, you know, visibility and, and sound uh, when it comes to traffic, absolutely calling is extremely important. So when you guys set up, and I know you, you probably hunt with a lot of um, high-end skilled callers, um, but do you have kind of like a lead caller or I guess go ahead and talk us through um, your strategy on, on that. Yeah. So, I mean, I usually go and, and man, I, if you, I hope, you know, one day we can all hunt together and, and just learn from each other. But man, if you guys hunted with me and my buddies are all, you know, I've, they kind of give me crap about it, but I'm an extremely conservative caller. Uh, when I need, you know, obviously if I need to get on them, I can, I can do it, but man, I am extremely, I do not call when I don't need to. Um, but usually what we go by is who's seeing those dirt, those birds first, because teamwork when it comes to calling is so it, it's crucial, you know, understanding, Hey, this guy saw these birds. Those are his birds. You know, those are, those are, that's, that's your lead caller right there um so, so what if, it, what if it, that guy can it, only cluck <laughs> then man i'm gonna compliment those clucks as much as i can you know i'm gonna just try to get it to sound as close to being as real as you know as realistic as possible uh but it, it it's at the same time i'm gonna i'm working to compliment him and work with him versus overriding you know, I'm not, those are, those are his birds. He's the one that saw them. He's the one that's communicating with them. He's the one really reading them. I'm going, I'm then next in line. I'm going to be feeding and going off of him whenever he speeds up. I'm going to speed up and work with him. He slows down. I'm slowing down and giving him a one-two punch. You know, it's, it's, it's very easy. Once, you know, once you get to working and calling with uh, and hunting with a couple guys, um, it, it gets easier and easier to work with each other, uh, and kind of predict what they're going to be doing next. Um, so yeah, no, working together, it's, it's tough at first, especially if a guy's never hunted, 
with that person before. Um, but man, it, it is very, very easy to work together and kind of fall in line. Uh, and that's the same, you know, I always communicate that with everybody is, Hey, if I start calling, uh, and I see birds, you know, those are my birds, you know, fall in line. I'll communicate openly like, Hey, do this or, you know, just, just do this or something like that. But if, if, those, if you see those birds, those are your birds, I'm going to fall in line. And it, it's kind of like a, a give respect, get respect type deal. You know, uh, it, it's very easy to do, but also, you know, it can be tough to, to start out. I mean, it sounds 10 times more realistic whenever you start working together. So what, what is your ideal number for, for callers in a group? Is it just, so like if you're hunting with a, a group of, let's say like six plus, is everybody mm-hmm. going to be calling or um, I guess what's, what's uh, the teamwork like in that situation? Um, well, man, that, that is a, that's a really, really great question. Um, because to be honest, the, when I hunted in Montana, everybody was calling and on some flocks it worked phenomenally well because there'd be a couple guys that are just throwing in clucks and then I kind of feeding off of who's closest to me or who I can hear the best and kind of you know that guy that started calling at those birds and is working those birds I'm trying to fill in right uh, I mean if there's six guys that can that can run a goose call um, that's fantastic but there's a time and a place for everything that they can do on a goose call. You know, there's sometimes where there's one guy calling because, uh, you know, each situation is just a little bit different, but man, if there's six guys, um, that's fantastic. That's, that's more, that's more in our back pocket that we can utilize if we need to, then I'd rather, and I'd rather have that, especially like on a, if it were a traffic day, absolutely. I don't want that many guys calling. Uh, but if we're hunting an X or anything like that, man, like we might be just doing a series of six clucks where one guy starts and it just is like, click, 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 click. You know, it just is like, uh, working together with that, you know? Uh, but no, I, I, I wouldn't shy away from having a bunch of callers. Now, if it, you know, if it were a bunch of callers that aren't working together, that's going to hurt more than anything, um, than having, not enough callers you know if they're not going to work together if you're not going to work as a team then you're not going to accomplish what you want to accomplish with those geese uh and that goes for that goes for ducks as well you know there 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 can be everybody can be working together except for one guy and he's up there blowing blowing those geese out or blowing those ducks out and it's just that's more harm than good at that point so i guess what does it sound like with a group that's that's not working together is it just mistiming um, the call and yeah i mean it it's it's more of guys stepping on each other's toes um like there's be there's gonna be guys that are gonna be doing the same thing right and they're gonna be doing it at the same exact time and it just sounds really jumbled you know if you're running traffic that's not as bad but if you're trying to sound realistic if you're hunting the x or anything like that like man it you you really need to lay off and really try to work together versus stepping on everybody's toes there might be got one guy going 100 miles per hour and then there's like you know just and then you might have a guy that's like look 
look, look, you know, like, and it's completely contradicting everything that you're trying to work for. Uh, and it just, it just sounds out of sync, really. It just doesn't, it's just noise at that point, because then you, you're, you're talking, you, I, I, whenever I call, and like I said earlier, I'm extremely conservative, but what I think I, I used this reference a few weeks ago is I'm trying to be the Mike Tyson with my goose call, right? I want to call when I need to call and I want it to pack as much punch as I possibly can. If I'm out there with six other buddies and we're just giving them white noise, you know, that's elevator music to those geese. You know, we want to be packing as many punches as we possibly can. Whereas, you know, with, if, if we're not working together, man, by the time those geese circle us once, they've heard everything that we're trying to give them. And all we're doing is making noise at, you know, it just sounds like, you know, whenever you plug in a TV and uh, it's not hooked up to anything, it's just that, right. That's all they're hearing Mm -hmm. uh, versus actual live sounding geese. Awesome. Well, to kind of wrap this thing up and put a nice bow on it and, you know, definitely appreciate you coming on and um, some awesome insight and, and depth of knowledge um, on the goose hunting there. Uh, but if you could say one one thing um, to guys who are already kind of established goose hunters, one thing they could improve on to improve their success while goose hunting, what would it be? Um, I think of it as, uh, and I, I actually use this re- use this reference tonight, right? Uh, is perfect your craft and pay attention to details, uh, because that's what that's what's going to carry you later, you know. Uh, and then control what you can control. Uh, so put yourself in the best possible situation to have the best possible hunt right by doing the homework scouting hard hiding effectively setting you know paying a close attention to decoy spreads and how those geese work uh in the field uh and being extremely precise look for always always try to be precise right there's you know you think of all these different game plans that football programs and basketball programs go through you know, they're trying to be as precise as possible to win the game. Think of it like that. You know, you want to be as precise as possible um, leading up to the hunt, during the hunt, after the hunt, uh, because you you ultimately are trying to be successful. You're trying to take a wild animal. You know, you want to be, uh, you want to pack a punch whenever you go out there and fill your limits or, you know, uh, put meat in the freezer for you guys. You know, why go through the process of buying decoys, buying blinds, buying guns, buying calls, all extremely expensive things. I mean, right there, you know, most guys are already in four to $5,000. Why not be, why, you know, but why be a little lazy with it or slack on one thing whenever you're spending that amount of money, whenever you can go through and take an extra five minutes and be precise with everything. Uh, to perfect it you know what i'm saying oh yeah uh, so and and then again going back to uh, a little bit what i just said earlier earlier as well is controlling what you can control man you know just like i said earlier 
be precise, put yourself in the best position as possible. But remember, those are wild animals that you're chasing. You know, you can't control a lot of factors, but can, you can control your hide. You can control where you hunt uh, and you, your decoy spread, your calling, your shooting, control that and everything else will fall in place. Awesome. Any last words, um, Elliot? Did we lose Elliot? I think you went to sleep. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, it cut, it cut out. Any any last words, um, Elliot? Yeah, I thought that's what you said, but it said any last. Well, the only the one question that I was curious about that haven't been asked yet is there a difference between your competition calling and your field calling, or is it pretty much the same? Oh man, there's a huge, huge difference. Uh, huge difference. I would love to touch on this uh, because you know there's a kind of like a, a haziness uh, or a, a kind of like a cloud cover when it comes to competition calling. Um, right. And I would love, and first and foremost, I'd love to get more, get more and more guys interested in contest calling uh, because it, it really does help when it comes to your goose calling and your duck calling. No, you're not, you know, a competition routine is not where you're going to be out hunting, but, just like if you were to go to France or Spain, the more you know in that language, the more it's going to help you. So the more you know in Canada geese, speckle bellies, uh, or ducks, the better it's going to help you. And, you know, that's more that you can utilize. That's more tools in the toolbox that you can have, you know. Um, with competition calling, there's, there's a few different types. With geese, you know, there's live goose. Uh, which is you're trying to, if a live goose were to walk on stage, that goose would win. You know, you're trying to sound like a few different geese in the park or one goose in the park. You're trying to sound as realistic as possible. But then you've got your opens, uh, which are, you know, minute and a half. They are, it's a routine that you follow, which has a lot of very unrealistic sounds. But that what you're going for is you're trying to show the maximum performance of the call and the maximum performance of the caller uh, and their ability to control that call. And it's the same thing with duck calling. Um, you know, that if you look up competition duck calling on YouTube, you're going to find World Duck at Stuttgart. You're going to find the, the ringing hail notes, right? The Beep, 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 right? But that's not, you're not going to use that honey. But what they're doing is they're showing the maximum function of the call and the maximum function and control of the caller. Same thing with open goose calling. You know, you have your hail notes and your comebacks and everything like that. You're trying to create that picture of geese far off in the distance. You're getting their attention. They're coming towards you. You're getting them closer. You're working them closer. You get more excited, and then you lose them. You convince them to come back. Uh, you get them working again. You get them lined up, and you finish them. You're trying to create that picture in there by following that routine, right? Uh, but you're not necessarily going to be doing a lot of the same uh, realistic notes as you would out uh, out hunting. You know, uh, you know, Jordan. You said, "Man, I this is one of the best seasons I've." I've ever had uh, when it comes to goose hunting, man. That, and you've been doing that, doing clucks, moans, and everything like that, right? Yeah. Uh, and you know that's that's 
there's a lot of guys that I'd love to hunt with and I love hunting with that that's that's their vocabulary with geese and that's great you know they're killing them and but there's a lot of times where I've noticed that there's a few geese that they could have capitalized on if they had known like another note or maybe just a different gear uh when it came to their calling you know what I'm saying oh yeah uh it it just it can help so much but there's a huge huge difference there Elliot man and that I'm glad you asked that uh, because not not enough guys really think or you know know about that you know it's they kind of just see competition calling and they think like oh you know that's what they're doing out in the field too and that's completely completely the opposite awesome well I can tell you guys um, that the one thing that I want to improve on the most, especially after this podcast, is the calling aspect of my goose hunting game. And again, uh, I want to point you over to Kyle, uh, his Instagram page, which is, is it just Kyle Jones, or do you have underscores in there or anything like that? Yeah, it, it's uh, underscore Kyle Jones. Uh, is that in the, no space? Yep, no space there. It's just underscore K-I-L-E and then Jones super common last name j-o-n-e-s uh, and it's the tab is the the goose talk uh tab uh and you know it's just there for for guys to use uh you know you I, and honestly you guys do a really really great job of uh offering you know free advice and uh educational information for guys you know for your everyday hunter and in my opinion, we need more of that. And that's kind of why I set that up just on, just on the Instagram there. So that way it's helpful uh, to guys to, to come to out in the duck blind or out in the goose blind uh, and they can hear it and then, and then do it and then listen to it again and do it again. So it's just there for anybody to use and I'll gladly help anybody that has any questions about goose calling. Awesome. Well, I think that's a perfect place to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, any other, any other spots you'd like to plug Kyle before we sign off here? Uh, man, uh, kind of not really, man. I, I would say, you know, we do it because we love it. You know, it's really, really disappointing and frustrating to see guys get on, uh, social media and stuff like that and kind of bash others when that we're just doing something that we love and enjoy. Uh, so let's try to try to work together and do what you guys are doing. You and Elliot and a couple other guys are getting together to hunt. And that's what it's about, you know, creating those relationships and creating those friendships. Uh, remember why we're doing it and yeah, have fun with it. Awesome. Any, any last words one more time for you, Elliot? <laughs> <laughs> Nope, I, I appreciate you coming on here. Uh, second time guest. Hopefully, there'll be a third time in the future. Yeah, let's do it. I'm down. Awesome. Alrighty, folks. Thanks to everybody for tuning in and sticking with us to the end. And hope you guys got a lot out of all this information um, for the goose hunting. And uh, signing off. I'm Jordan Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and Kyle Jones. And we'll see you guys on the next one.